This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. Hey there, this is the Bite Size Business Breakfast, the best bits from Wednesday, January the 11th. Coming up, we'll talk to Hannah Norton, Digital PR Manager of CompareTheMarket.com. It's the Australian division of Compare the Market uh, who have conducted this latest piece of research, finding that Dubai has emerged in the top three places to relocate around the world at the moment. They've bagged the third spot, according to this new study. Uh, We've got more details, courtesy of Hannah, as, as the reasons why. Uh, we're also joined in studio by Farhad Azizi. Farhad is the boss of Azizi Developments, uh, who ended 2022 on a high note, having sold a total of more than 6,000 units, amounting to 5.6 billion dirhams. So, got Farhad in to reflect on the year that was, but also look ahead to the year that is. Raki Phillips also in talking numbers. He joined us live on the line during the show. Uh, as Ras Alkema welcomed uh, record numbers of visitors in 2022, the highest number of annual arrivals in its history. We've got the latest numbers from Raki and again took the opportunity to look ahead at the year that would be. Uh, as to talking points throughout the course of this morning, a variety of them. Uh, had a look at some of the big news headlines of the day, some of the big business stories, plus um, this deal uh, between Microsoft and potentially ChatGPT. ChatGPT, uh, the new app, the new AI technology that is taking the world by storm, has caused something of a bidding frenzy or certainly something of a frenzy in the tech world. Some suggestions that Microsoft are in the game for about $10 billion to possibly take over the uh, the technology. Uh, what would that mean? Is that feasible? Uh, would it benefit Microsoft? Does it also cause problems for Google? Just a few of the questions that we had here on the show this morning. This is the Bite Size Business Breakfast. Having a look at some of the biggest stories for you this morning, quite the lineup. Uh, we've got things that are making headlines. Shall we start with the fact that we might all be losing our jobs? Scary. The distant future, the distant future. It is the distant future. We are robots. The world is very different. There is no more unhappiness. Affirmative. We no longer say yes, instead, we say affirmative. Yes, affirmative. Chat GPT. Doesn't sound exactly like that. Um, but what does it mean for us that Microsoft is looking to put 10 billion dollars into the company behind it. Open AI. Uh, this was a report from Bloomberg yesterday. Other reports following suggesting that Microsoft could be looking to take up to 49% of the company. One of the reasons for this is that ChatGPT, and if you haven't heard about it, it's the AI technology that can answer almost any question you come up with in freaky real time. And it's quite scary to watch, isn't it? We've had a big play here in the business breakfast. The, the, the thing is, could it take on Google? Bing, Microsoft search engine, has never been in the same league as Google. And yet this could be, it may not, but it could be the thing that does it. I'm looking at comments from various analysts, and we'll hear from one in a second now. But uh, someone called Jill Laurie, who's at DA Davidson, the consultancy, said, OK, um, it's $10 million. That's a lot of money. But if you think about where Google's market cap comes from, 
They're $1.1 trillion. 60% of that comes from the search business. Therefore, Google Search is a $600 billion business. If Microsoft can crack that nut, then Bing suddenly becomes a $600 billion business. I mean, I know that's playing with maths a little bit, but you take her point. So $10 billion, it's a lot of money. But in the context of a $600 billion industry, it's maybe not that big a bet. Well, look, we know that it's got Google a little bit rattled. There have been reports coming out from Google HQ that they're looking to build their own chat GPT. The guys working in AI have been told um, to, get a, to, to get a bit of a move on. Uh, people have been predicting the end of, of everything, um, not just for search, but things like copywriting, um, saying, you know, once you've got one of this, you'll never need to employ an actual person to write a, a press release again. It will pretty much do it for you. Lots of views on there about that. And like with any new technology, um, I give you the wheat thresher. <laughs> uh, people get very nervous about what it does mean for jobs. But we also know that new technology does indeed um, displace jobs. We've got a couple of experts on this this morning. Uh, one of them is Kurt Muhmel, who Mohammed Suleiman, our producer, has been speaking to. Uh, he wanted to find out what a $10 billion investment in this AI company could mean for the market. So we asked Kurt, who is the everyday AI strategic advisor at the software company Daytaku, um, what he expects it to have in terms of repercussions. So if a company like Microsoft were going to invest uh, $10 billion in a company like OpenAI, what uh, what would that signify? Well, first, let's, uh, let's just state the obvious. Um, that is a huge amount of money. Uh, that is a historic investment uh, for, uh, for a company that, uh, that is relatively young and believe that OpenAI was founded you know, less than five years ago, right, 2017, 2018, if my memory serves. Right. Uh, so, you know, that's obviously just uh, just the first level. Second is, of course, that Microsoft is a very reasonable company, right? They, they don't make wild bets uh, on crazy technology. Um, and so I think that that has to send a very strong signal as well about what uh, uh, what the potential of this technology is, and let's just state it for those of us who have uh, who have used ChatGPT or um, some of OpenAI's other technologies, uh, GPT three uh, uh, and uh, and others. Um, it, it truly is impressive, and so I think that the potential investment of that scale really is a solid recognition of the potential of this technology. So ChatGPT. Uh, was launched to public in November. Do you know what's brilliant? Year. Yeah. Everyone's got a different acronym for it, depending GPT. on what they concentrate on. You've just said GBT, my British friend. Yeah. I've been saying GDP for the last week, accidentally. Yeah, yeah. I've got GB on the mind. Uh, so it was launched to the public November last year. But OpenAI has been around since 2015. They're the company behind it. So Sam Altman is the entrepreneur who launched it, founded it and launched it in Silicon Valley back in 2015. The big concern at the moment for um, investors and why they probably need investment pretty quickly is apparently their servers are burning out uh, because, because of its virality. Wow. Because it's gone viral and because so many people are using it. Um, across the one million user mark in the first week of launching it to the uh, to the public, so at the moment they just haven't got the server space to keep it going. Um, so, investors, welcome to please. Well, it's not an investment without risks, according to Kurt. This is what he told Mohammed. 
of course, you know, there's all the risks of the investment itself. Is it actually going to pay out? I'm not qualified to speak about that. But speaking about this kind of technology, these large language models, this generative AI that uh, that can create content, which is frankly really, really good most of the time. Well, the, the risk is in that most of the time. Sometimes it's wrong. Uh, sometimes the information is uh, is incorrect. And that's why, uh, especially at Dataiku, we really believe that the ultimate value of AI is, of course, harnessing these incredible technologies. And once again, they are incredible. Um, but doing so in a way that allows humans to remain in control, to to have oversight of what content is being produced and how, and to ensure that they're using it in the best possible way and the most appropriate way. Um, because it's not just a matter of having uh, access to technology like that. that you know, that's, that's easy in a sense. Um, but it's a, a, what's really important is that humans can build into that technology their domain expertise, their specific expertise. They can build into it their, their values. So it's really the combination of the technology, but also the way in which it's used by humans, applied by humans, overseen by humans, and ultimately, of course, controlled by humans. Um, it's a tool, and humans need to use it responsibly. And that is Kurt McMill, who is an everyday AI strategic advisor at DataQ. It's been banned uh, by New York public schools. Uh, they've come out in the last couple of days and banned it. I don't know how you go about banning uh, an app from your school's network, but New York have taken that move already. And uh, as with all great success, there's obviously those looking to cash in as well. Last week, Chat GPT, Chat GPT AI with GPT-3 was ranked the fifth most popular download on Tinternet, uh, outranking Google Docs, amongst others. Um, And it's got nothing to do with ChatGPT uh, or the makers as well. It's a completely fake app uh, that just shares the name and everyone's cashing in on it. Why didn't we think of that? (laughs) This time next year, Rodney. This is the Bite Size Business Breakfast, exclusively on DubaiEye1038.com. There's a theme of record-breaking on the programme this morning. From CBRE, says Dubai Real Estate broke records in 2022 for the volume of sales. We just heard from the boss of Azizi Developments. They had a record year last year in 2022. Also having a record year was Rasselkamer in terms of tourism. More than a million tourists exceeding pre-pandemic levels. Let's find out the story behind those numbers. Raki Phillips is the chief executive of Rasalkema Tourism and Development Authority, and he joins us now live from the Northern Emirates. Raki, good morning. M- morning, Richard. How are you? I'm good. Thanks very much indeed. I suspect you are as well. Talk me through those record-breaking numbers. Well, it's a pleasure to be here on your show. Uh, Happy New Year to you and all of your listeners. We are so excited of how we ended uh, 2022. Um, It was a year that had a lot of uncertainties in it, but I think the UAE and especially Russell Hemet overperformed and and lots of records to be able to celebrate. So if I start off with our visitor arrivals, which is a great tool that we measure for the success of tourism in any destination, we had over 1.13 million visitors in 2022, which is a record that we haven't had before that exceeds 2019 pre-pandemic levels. And just to top it off perfectly, 128,000 visitors in December, which was a 23% growth year over year, um, also another record month. Um, And we've seen visit arrivals grow by 40%, which is great. 
And to top it off, which we're very, very proud of, is two Guinness Book of World Record uh, firework displays that we were able to ring in the new year with. Okay, fine. Well, let's drill down into some of those numbers. 1.1 million visitors. Where are they from? Let's go through the top three or top five source markets. So it's 1.13 million. Don't forget that. <laughs> um, no, the uh, the visitors are pretty diverse. And the nice thing about Ras al-Khaimah is we have a wide diversity of um, uh, visitors. So uh, the CIS market continues to perform very, very well for the Emirate uh, from places like Kazakhstan and Russia. Um, an influx of tourists that came from there. But we also have tourists that are visiting us uh, from our top source markets, including the UK, uh, Germany, India, and the Czech Republic. Where we've seen new markets grow, uh, our, um, uh, the GCC has been a new focus for us, which has been great. So we've seen a lot of our Saudi customers coming through um, and, and when we've seen India, but we've also gotten into new markets that we've explored. Latin America with over 40 flights that come into the UAE on a weekly basis. That's been a big focus of ours as well. Raki, how do you keep it fresh? You know, the zip lines are really, really cool. But if you've been coming to Russell Kamer for a few years, you've done the zip lines and you've done the beach holiday. How do you keep adding new things to keep people coming back from Kazakhstan? So, so there's a couple of things that you need to do. One is our hotel inventory has to grow, uh, and and this year we were able to um, to surpass eight thousand keys in the market, which is something that we're very proud of. But when we look at the growth that we're going to have in the next couple of years, we're looking to almost double our inventory. The announce uh, so this year alone we'll have a new Sofitel that opens up in Alhamra. We also have an Anantara. So don't go to the Maldives, come to Rack. You'll be able to have these beautiful overwater villas. But also as we move forward, we've got brands like Marriott coming in. And of course, the recent announcement that we did of Wynn uh, Integrated Resort opening, which we're very excited about. Now, from an attractions perspective, we always understand and see what our customers are looking for. Our focus on Jebel Jace, the highest mountain in the UE, allowed us to bring Jay Sledder last year, which attracted over 100,000 um, uh, passengers that experienced the Jay Sledder, which was great. But we focus on adventure, we focus on sustainability, and we focus on continuing to enhance our beach offering. Well, well let's talk about Wynn Resorts, which has been developed at the moment. It's going to be huge, Las Vegas-style resort. I'm choosing my words carefully, Raki, and I suspect you may choose your words carefully as well. But when, when's that opening and what can we expect? So the plan is to have this open by 2026, um, uh, the end of 2026. It's opening on Merjan Island. Um, it's an integrated resort of about 250,000 square meters, more than a thousand rooms, but it's going to have incredible facilities from convention space, spa, um, you know, close to a dozen restaurants, extensive entertainments, uh, opportunities, but it really is a seismic game changer for tourism, not just in the Emirate, but for the UAE. Um, uh, but the but the main point that we're very excited about it is the largest foreign direct investment that the Emirates has seen, where Wynn believes so much in our destination that not only are they operating this hotel, but they are also significant shareholders and investors in this project. Uh, finally, let's talk about what's going to happen in 2023. Yeah, that resort's going to open in 2026. I get it. But what about this year to keep the punters coming back, not just from Kazakhstan, but also from places like Dubai? 
fly where we are now or from Abu Dhabi. Absolutely. And I think I think the pandemic taught us that, that Ras al-Khaimah is an incredible place for your staycations. It's a, it's, a, it's a close commute from all the other Emirates, especially from Dubai and Sharjah. Um, and, and we saw great growth in the domestic market. So, so for us, um, uh, what are we expecting for 2023? As I mentioned, new hotel openings. Um, we are working on becoming the first certified sustainable destination um, in the region, which is something that we're very, very proud on. But we've got a lot of events that are taking place. Um, next month, we've got the DP Tour um, European Championship that's coming through, the Rack Half Marathon in its 16th edition. If you and the team haven't signed up, I expect you to go on the website and sign Brandy's up. Brandy's done it. She, Brandy ticked that box years ago, Racky. When did you run the Rack well, Half Marathon, Brandy? Uh, 16 years ago. Yeah, there you go. She was one of the originals. I think 16. I was there with her 16 years ago uh, when it first started. <laughs> Racky, good luck with that. Appreciate your time this morning. Record year for Russell Kema Tourism, 1.13 million visitors. Better than pre-pandemic levels. Racky Phillips of Rack Tourism Development Authority. Catch up on the business headlines with the Bite Size Business Breakfast. Right, let's get more on one of our top stories this morning. Real estate, new report from CBRE, says last year it was a record for real estate in Dubai with 91,000 residential transactions. Joining us in the studio is one of Dubai's leading independent developers. He is Farhad Azizi, the CEO of Azizi Developments. Farhad, good morning. Thanks for being with us. Good morning and Happy New Year. Yeah, but it was Happy New Year, but certainly Happy Last Year for you guys. You handed over 6,000 units, uh, 5.6 billion dirhams, 37% increase in sales in the second half of last year. And 2021 wasn't too shabby either. Can we sustain this level of real estate development in Dubai? That's correct. Last year was uh, very successful, very busy. We've delivered a lot of properties and um, the demand so far in January, although we have just started the month, is the same. And um, we have many projects in the pipeline. So um, we're quite optimistic and we think uh, the market will be the same and the demand uh, will uh, still be coming on. 11,000 units you expect to deliver this year. Uh, and as I say, it was almost 6 billion dirhams last year. You've been in real estate long enough, Farhad, to know that it's cyclical. You've been in Dubai long enough to know that it's cyclical. You've been through the good times, the bad times, and the bits in between. If this year is going to remain a strong year, how do you see the cycle playing out? When will the cycle turn? 24, 25? How do you see that playing out? Um, yes, it is the, the real estate market or, or a lot of other industries are uh, having their cycles. Uh, but as, as a developer, we had made sure that we're prepared uh, to be uh, flexible enough in case there isn't enough demand to slow down some of the project in, in, in case the sales are not up there. But right now we're quite uh, um, moving quite aggressively because the demand has been good. There's been a lot of sales last year. All of those properties need to be delivered. So there's a, a lot of focus on, on constructing those properties and delivering them. Um, so if property that sold last year will keep us busy for the next two or three, sometimes four years, having that delivered and all that. So there's the construction side of it. When it comes to sales, um, we have acquired new projects and new lands that, that are going to be rolling out this year. Um, and uh, we're expecting the market to, to, to continue to be good. So our, our, our uh, 
outlook is is positive. We don't see that they're going to be uh, a slowdown in this or that period. We don't plan for that as into um, calculating a date on it, putting a time on it. So that we wake up every morning, come to the market and say, okay, let's build and let's see um, how the sales are moving and all that. So the 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 the, the view from from our angle is let's let's be optimistic let's move on and let's let's continue let's let's show the show must go on what about the impact of rising interest rates for the 11,000 people who you think will buy your homes this year if they're getting some kind of mortgage or home loan how do you factor that into your projections yeah so that's that's not been very good uh, for for uh, many of our clients because we have uh, a big portion of client uh, for customers that would b- want to borrow uh, and uh, it's more costly for them um but we do have cash buyers uh, that have increased we have investors uh, the the the, the well, what's the split farhad between cash buyers and people taking out debt or a loan so uh, uh, a couple of years ago it was almost 50-50 uh, right now, we have more cash buyers, uh, so there's 30% probably that are wanting to borrow from the banks, uh, from other uh, financing institutions, but uh, a, a bigger portion now are cash buyers. When I think of the Azizi portfolio, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, as focusing more on relatively affordable homes rather than these mega record-breaking 200 million Dirham villas on the palm. I know you have some luxury property on the palm, but predominantly, I think of you as a value developer. What's the sweet spot or ticket price for Azizi at the moment? So a lot of our properties are uh, price ranged between 500,000 to 2 million dirhams. We do have high-end properties um, that are as, as expensive as 24 million dirhams uh, for a penthouse on the palm. Um, but, but the sweet spot... I would say a million and a half, a million dirhams, is is it can get you a good one or two bedroom apartment. Um, yet uh, we have projects in the pipeline that will have houses, villas, townhouses. They'll have a, a higher ticket price, mostly because of the size. It'll be a bigger home, so th- those will be ranging from three to five to six million dirhams. Uh, but currently, a million and a half will get you a good home. Let's talk about your latest development just before we let you go. Up in Dubai South, 20 billion with a B dirhams is the ticket price on this for your development cost, hotels, mixed-use real estate. And Brandy, you're very excited about the glass corridor. It captures the imagination. Two kilometres of an air-conditioned boulevard. Tell us what you're building, but why you're building it. So, so that's that's a very special project, and specifically the boulevard is is is. is I, I was going to compare it to something, but there isn't anything that's been built as such. This is um, going to be out in nature, yet it will be air conditioned, so that uh, when 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 the heat is here, you could still use it. You could still go out, and it'll have every facility that you could think of: restaurants, shopping areas, access to uh, to the hotels. So around it, there will be properties that will be built. There will be residential properties and commercial and hotels. Yet you'll have access to this uh, to this boulevard, which is air conditioned. Is it fully enclosed? Oh yes, yes. It's enclosed, but it's accessible. So there is access from it. Uh, from from these properties, uh, from these homes, and even access from some of the villas and townhouses, where there will be an underground parking, and then from that you could come into the boulevard. So it's all enclosed and it's air conditioned. Um, it, it's one of a kind. It's, we we have researched a lot as into to see if we can find a similar thing that was built somewhere else, and it has it doesn't exist. 
It's a long way out of town, Farhad, Dubai South. What convinced you that people will want to live there and go there? So we, we wanted to build a community where where it has everything in in the community, whether it's schools, hospitals, parks, good homes, and to, to live in all that. So uh, we, we're building the entire infrastructure is with us, and it's a big project. It's 24 million square foot of GFA, um, and, and and people who live there will have access to everything. If they're working uh, out uh, in downtown or in the city, then they'll have their their own community and, and the peace of mind. Um, and Dubai is expanding. Um, a while back, that was a bit far, but now it's 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 not so it's not it's the distance is not not not, not that great. I would say. Farhad, we'll have to leave it there. Let's hope these people are listening to Dubai High 103.8 FM when they're commuting from your Dubai South development down to downtown. But for now, Farhad Azizi, the CEO of Azizi Developments. Always nice talking to you. Appreciate your time this morning. Just the highlights. This is the Bite Size Business Breakfast. Forget location, location, location. It's all about relocation, relocation, relocation at the moment. That's the buzzword as people look to relocate to well, Dubai. Dubai's emerged as one, um, one among the top three places to relocate, bagging the third spot, according to a new study by comparethemarket.com.au. Let's cross now live to speak to their digital PR manager uh, of comparethemarket.com.au. Hannah Norton joining us live on Microsoft Teams this morning. Morning, Hannah. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, no, thanks very much to you and the team for uh, this survey, which is causing something of a stir over here in Dubai. Before we get on to the whys, uh, tell us the hows. How did you come about the findings of this survey? Yeah, look, so we, we rounded up a number of different factors. We looked at things like mortgage interest rates, the average salary, the cost of living, unemployment rates, crime rates, and the quality of healthcare in a number of different coastal cities, around 50 to be exact. And um, from that, we were able to determine that Dubai was in the top three, uh, which is faring really well for the city. And we're, we're really excited that, uh, that it's making waves in Dubai as well. So Dubai coming out third in the list. It's just behind Tokyo and Singapore. What are the Singapore and Tokyo doing better than Dubai when it comes to relocation? Look, there are a couple of different things that did bring Dubai down when it came to the ranking. Um, and that was mainly the mortgage interest rates. So at the time that we pulled the data, they were quite high at around 4.5%. Um, and it's just that there were other cities on the list that had slightly lower interest rates and, and they fared better across a couple more factors that did make them score a little bit higher in the ranking overall. In terms of your sort of reading of these numbers and comparing them to historic numbers as well, are we seeing more interest in relocations when it comes to Dubai? Look, we certainly are, especially following the pandemic. People are People have been cooped up in their homes for the last three to four years and they're really itching to move. Uh, And we're seeing that not just particularly for Dubai, but around the world as well. People are really keen to travel and and, uh, travel numbers have been soaring in the last few months, especially over Christmas as well. Uh, And Dubai is one of those top spots that people want to visit. In terms of who you surveyed for this, are we talking about Australian residents here looking to move to Dubai or is this a bit more of a global report? It's definitely a global report. So what we did is we looked at a number of different uh, factors around the world. We collected the data for that and we weighted those, weighted those rankings in a bit of an index. 
And from that, we were able to come up with a score which which uh, put Dubai in the top three, as you said. Moving house has often been described as one of the three most stressful things uh, in life. Uh, moving house and moving country at the same time must be even more stressful. I mean, this relocation is obviously something that people don't think about lightly. Is this all market driven at the moment? Look, relocation is something that people are always going to be interested in doing, especially given following the pandemic, as I said before, people are itching to move. And that's not just for relocation, but also just for travel as well. So we think that that interest is going to to remain. Uh, We know that uh, consumer spending in Dubai has been uh, particularly high over the Christmas period, and we expect that to to remain in the coming six months. So, yeah, we, we think it's something that's going to stay. Interesting look at the factors in which you you come to these conclusions. Uh, There's obviously unemployment, uh, monthly salary uh, after tax, mortgage interest rates, monthly living costs, uh, a lot of them financially driven uh, with good reason as well. You need that um, as part and parcel of your relocation package. But also interesting that you look to things like social media posts and number of attractions. Is that important to people looking to relocate? It is. Look, people are very influenced by what other people are doing. And that's evident in the number of social media posts uh, when it comes to relocating a number of attractions as well people want to move somewhere that's interesting that's fun where there's a lot of things to do and we actually ran a very similar report where we looked at coastal cities but from a tourism perspective um, and we looked at a, a lot of attractions and broke that down into restaurants number of beaches things like that and again dubai scored really highly they actually came first on that ranking so it shows that it's very very popular Obviously, one of the big things that we hear a lot about here with the reasons that people look to come to the UAE and Dubai specifically uh, is safety and security, the ability to walk walk around on the streets at night without concern. Is that something that plays into people's decision making? It is definitely. And and, uh, when it comes to this ranking in particular, Dubai actually had the third lowest crime rate of all of the cities that we looked at. And that's really important for people because, as you said, people want to feel safe when they're walking around. and, And that's why it's something that we included in our ranking. Singapore, as I mentioned, at the top of the list. Edinburgh in at number 10. In between them, New York, Perth, Taipei, Houston, uh, Toronto, Sydney, and then Dubai and Tokyo as well. Interesting to see uh, two Aussie cities on there, Sydney and Perth. Obviously, a lot of people traditionally uh, would look to relocate, to emigrate to Australia as well. Still holding fast after the COVID uh, shocks? That's right. We've seen a lot of great interest in travel, both to and from Australia in the last six months or so following, you know, lots of those lockdowns and shutdowns during COVID. Um, We've had a a huge soar in numbers of people coming to Australia for travel, um, but also huge numbers of people uh, of of Australians going elsewhere, going on holidays, especially over Christmas. So it's, it's something that's not unique to Dubai. It's world round and particularly in Australia as well. Not sure if your figures give you this, Hannah, but final question from me. Who is looking to relocate to Dubai at the moment? Is it families? Is it singles? Does the data give you those sort of findings? Look, it doesn't give us that granular level of data, but from the sounds of it, Dubai is a fantastic location for for anyone, whether it be singles, families, or, or people starting to uh, people looking to start a new career and chase a new business life. So we think it's a great destination for anyone. Big thanks to you, uh, Hannah, for joining us live on the line this morning. From everyone here in Dubai, big thanks to you and all the crew down at comparethemarket.com.au. Uh, Hannah Norton is the digital PR manager down there. Joining us live on the line. You've been listening to a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. 
to enjoy lots more from Dubai Eye in the United Arab Emirates, just go to DubaiEye1038.com or find them wherever you normally get your podcasts.